This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to Sports Better's Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, as we continue here on our conference previews in college football here in the Sports Betters Paradise YouTube channel, uh, subscribe to it. It's free wherever you find your uh, your podcasts as well. So podcasts or YouTube uh, format, uh, definitely check it out. It's free, and we uh, kind of do a lot of the research for you right here on the Sports Betters Paradise. Jimmy Ott along with Bruce Marshall and Paul Stone. Let's get right into it, guys. In the Mountain West Conference, uh, the highest uh, win total is... Air Force, three straight 10-win seasons uh, for the um, – of you know, that's not counting the COVID year. Uh, for Coach Calhoun in 17 years over there, they lose their battering ram, Brad Roberts, man. Nation's leading rusher last year, 17-28, 17 TDs as well, and their three-year starter in Daniels. So, Paul, we'll start off with the Air Force Falcons. Yeah, you know, the Air Force, first of all, you know, they could boast the league's best defense they only allowed one opponent uh last year utah state uh to score more than 20 points in a game they allowed an average of just 13.1 points per game last year against fbs opponents just 242.5 yards per game to lead the entire ncaa uh, in both those major statistical categories so they're really in good hands on defense uh certainly uh there are some questions though uh fairly at key positions on offense. First of all, they lose their battering ram fullback, uh, Brad Roberts. He rushed for almost 3,100 yards over the past two seasons, uh, carried the ball a total of 644 times uh, those past two years as well. So the loss of Roberts, Roberts is certainly a big one. And on top of that, the Falcons, they have very little experience at the critical quarterback position. Uh, contenders Jensen Jones and Ben Britton only combined for 17 carries last year in 2022. Uh, so they are going to have to have somebody come to the forefront at that key uh, quarterback position. Uh, they've got four full-time returning starters on the offensive line. They've got a fifth who's been a, fourth, a part-time starter. So a lot, of, uh, a lot of experience on the offensive line. They certainly have a favorable schedule. You look at the Falcons' schedule. Uh, they get both San Diego State and Wyoming at home. Air Force possibly will not be the betting underdog in the regular season until their 12th game of the year when they travel to Boise State uh, Thanksgiving weekend there. Air Force, they've won nine or more games in each of the last three full seasons. I think they make it uh, four in a row this year, so I recommend taking Air Force over the regular season win total of eight and a half at minus 113. Yeah, and you mentioned Paul, the uh, the quarterback, and, and Daniels. I mean, that's that's a big loss. But it seems like when you watch, my eyeballs tell me that those quarterbacks, uh, no matter who they are, they execute pretty damn sharply. Uh, Bruce, you're pretty bullish on Air Force as well. You like them over over the total at eight and a half as well. Yeah, I'm like Paul here. I do agree with that. I think they are going to go over. Just so, you know, a couple of notes there, and this is you know continuity. 
um, still mean something in college football. I mean, the nil, the portal, yeah. uh, red shirts. I mean, they don't do that too much at, at Air Force. I mean, they, they, they the players stick there, and Coach Calhoun coaches them up. I think it's interesting. Across the past 65 years, there have only been five coaches at Air Force, and that includes Bill Parcells. That's right. That Bill Parcells had a one-year stint there in 1978. <laughs> uh, but uh, Ben Martin, Kenny Hatfield, Fisher DeBerry, and Calhoun. Calhoun's now... Uh, starting his uh, 17th season there, if you can believe that. And they have run in, in, in this option. Now, it's not the old triple option. It's not It's not Texas's old wishbone. It's a little bit more like Billy Yeoman's veer, what they run there. A lot of in motion um, and sneaky downfield passing, but they have led the nation in rushing three straight years. And many times over the past few decades, they've led the nation in rushing as well, and you mentioned that about the quarterbacks. I know Daniels turned into a pretty good uh, option pilot for them, and he could sneak that pass downfield. But Calhoun's quarterbacks have, have been in the program usually before they take over. They know at least the offense is ingrained, and they usually step in there. They haven't had much of a drop-off. They've had several quarterback switches in the past, and only that year when they had everybody get hurt in 2013 did they really have some problems. Uh, Paul Stone mentioned uh, uh, Ben Britton, a little bit better passer. Uh, Jensen James, a little bit better runner. They've got another guy named uh, Zach Larrier, who's a sprinter, uh, who could also be in there at quarterback. So he's got some options there. And I know Roberts was a really great option, a fullback there. But, I, you know, it's it's next man up. And they've this has happened over the course of the past several decades. Guys have stepped up. And uh, John Lee Eldridge uh, gained almost 800 yards himself last year, and I think he will be the next guy to step up. And I'm glad that uh, Paul mentioned that defense there. They did one thing in the last couple games last year, San Diego State and then Baylor in the in the bowl game. They limited them to 0 for 21 on third downs. Uh, big play defense, only TDs allowed on 43% of opponent uh, forays into the red zone. That was fourth nationally, and as Paul said, top nationally total defense. And I like that schedule. I'm glad Paul mentioned that about the one game. They might be an underdog. It's not until right at the end, Boise State. Schedule breaks very, very, very well for the force. I think it's an over. Uh, I think it's one of the best over recommendations on the entire college board, if you ask me. So uh, that's how I'm looking, like Paul, at uh, Colorado Springs. Was my favorite uh, in, over in the Mountain West Conference uh, last year and uh, being upset against, uh, uh, you, you know, Wyoming and Utah State, Doug, uh, you know, kind of forced me into a spot where I had an upset victory at San Diego State uh, at Snapdragon Stadium, uh, Bruce, where I actually went this past summer, uh, yep. 13 to 3 there. But I, look, we, we can't totally discount Brad Roberts. He was a guy that was really <laughs> tough. But not only continuity, Bruce, but continuity in the sort of mid major where the conferences usually just get raided, you know, so uh, even tougher to do at, at this level uh, of a conference. So I, I and they execute, man, and uh, no, they're 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 tough. And I think the schedule is even a little bit lighter this year. So I like air all three of us uh, on Air Force in that one. Eight and a half is what the win total is. Also for Boise State, ten and four last year. Um, uh, ten, I'm sorry, 10 and 4, 7 and 5 in Avalos' two seasons. Quarterback Taylor Brown is back. He's a Mountain West Conference freshman of the year. Uh, the one-two punch at running back, which uh, would which gained a uh, combined over 2,000 yards. Um, they, they the schedule non-conference is tricky. Brutal one at Seattle against Washington. They host Central Florida, and they also play Memphis on the road. So Boise State is shaded to the under, Paul, at minus 136. Neither of you a strong opinion, but some thoughts on the Boise State Broncos at 8.5. 
Yeah, I mean, they do have uh, a talented quarterback, Taylor Green, back under center, a uh, guy from my home state of Texas, and uh, he played well last year when he took over. They did get some bad news in mid-July when their top receiver from one year ago, Latrell Caples, had 51 catches for 549 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, last year, he was announced to be out for the year, so certainly uh, that doesn't help matters. As you mentioned, the strength of this offense, though, is their running game. Uh, averaged 196 yards a game last year, rushing uh, five yards per carry. Their top two running backs got a very good one-two punch. George Halani, uh, he rushed for 1,157 yards last year. He's rushed for over 2,800 yards for his career, uh, averaged 5.2 yards per carry for his career. 19 rushing touchdowns. Halani is a guy you have to account for in the passing game as well. He has 71 career receptions for 578 yards. And then Ashton uh, Genty, uh, he rushed for 821 yards last year, uh, 5.3 yards per carry. They also have four returning starting offensive linemen who've uh, combined for a total of 80 career starts. So they do, uh, do have some good uh, offensive folks back. Uh, their defense has uh, allowed uh, just a shade under 20 points per game the last couple of years. But they had a couple of guys drafted in April. They only have uh, five returning starters. They've got a couple of holes to finish up, uh, to fill rather, up front. Got some uh, holes in the secondary as well. They're only 17-9 and nine the last two years. So uh, not quite up to that Boise State standard that we've become accustomed to over much of the past two decades. So it will be interesting uh, to see what Andy Avalos can do there uh, in Boise this year. Yeah, Bruce, they may never get to that level that they once were. I mean, they could play with anybody, at least on a one-game spot. I mean, we saw that, and they dipped down. But it's now they're at least at, the near, at or near the top of the, of the Mountain West Conference. Yeah, and you talk about continuity. Most of the coaches who have come in there have had some con you know, connection to the program. Either they've been promoted or in Avalos' case he had been there, then he was at Oregon for a while as the uh, defensive coordinator. Uh, but you're right. I mean, they it's maintaining that level where they were at for a few of those years with uh, Chris Peterson and Hawkins, uh, that might be tough, but they're still a force in this league. Uh, last year you talked about what uh, what happened, the switch to Taylor Green. It was interesting. Uh, you know, Hank Bachmeyer, we talked about – uh, in the uh, Conference USA preview the other day down at La Tech. Uh, he left right almost simultaneously when Avalos forced out Tim Pluff, his offensive coordinator, in late September. So something was wrong there. They lost that game at UTEP. And then things turned around with Taylor Green, who reminds, reminds me a bit of Vince Young. Uh, I mean, he is big and fast and better than 2,000 yards passing, almost 600 yards rushing last year, very dynamic. Paul mentioned the running backs, great uh, thunder and lightning with Talani and Genty. Um, they do have some uh, reloading to do on defense, which was pretty good last year, so they might backslide a bit. Half of the 18 players who were on the field for 250-plus snaps last year, when they rank six nationally, have, uh, have departed. So uh, he's got a little bit of adjusting to do on, uh, on defense. But it's because of that schedule um, that you mentioned, Jimmy, that I'm not so bullish on Boise. Mm -hmm. You mentioned those, those non-conference games. Also, San Diego State is there in uh, uh, September uh, at San Diego State, at Snapdragon. So that is a tough September. If they can come out with two or fewer losses out of September, I think they do have a chance to clear this number. But they could well come out one and three, and that leaves some very little wiggle room in the Mountain West. So I'm just going to pass on Boise and uh, watch with great interest.
All right. Uh, still, a, a, a not a great opinion on Fresno State as well. Their win total is also at eight and a half, but it's shaded to the under uh, at minus one seventy five at Bet Rivers. Jake Hayner is gone now, getting some positive reviews down in Saints camp uh, in New Orleans. Also, though, his top running back, his top two wide receivers from the Mountain West Conference champs a year ago. But Jeff Tedford, boy. The return has been uh, successful three of the four years, double-digit win seasons. They do return a lot on defense, Paul. Yeah, they've got a lot of uh, a lot of folks back on the defensive side of the ball. Like you mentioned, they had some significant losses there on uh, on offense. They lose a tri- trio of big-time producers. You mentioned Jay Kaner, a uh, guy who was drafted, as, uh, as I think you touched on, uh, in the fourth round of the uh, NFL draft, had over 9,100 career passing yards so uh, they're going to have a drop off at quarterback and then tailback uh, tailback Jordan Mims certainly his production was uh, was significant too he rushed for almost uh, 3,300 yards uh, in his career there at Fresno and then you have a receiver who's gone Jalen Cropper he had a thousand yard receiving season last year so definitely they've got some questions uh, on offense they lose six of their top seven receivers so not, not only Cropper is gone for that receiving core only have one receiver returning who had more than 11 catches last year at Fresno. Uh, they do have that defense, though. They're still going to be good on that side of the ball. I think they've got six of their front seven uh, back on defense, only gave up 19.4 points per game. And uh, if you can play defense, you know, you can uh, hang around a lot of games and win a lot of games. So if they can get a steady hand at quarterback, uh, get stabilized there, and uh, continue to play great defense, you know, who knows, maybe another big year there in Fresno. But I don't really have an opinion on their total just because primarily uh, due to the uh, uncertainty at those key uh, skill positions on offense. Brucey, some thoughts real quick. You, you don't have a strong opinion either on the Fresno State Bulldogs. No, and I, that schedule kind of makes me pause, although this reminds me of the Pat Hill days. They go out and challenge everybody. They're down to Arizona yeah. State. They go to Purdue. Uh, so and they never duck anybody at Fresno State. Last year they were at SC. And the fact you're breaking a new quarterback, whether it's going to be Mikey Keene, who came, we saw him with, with Gus Malzahn, or Fife, uh, who was there last year. What, what concerns me is, yet, I mean, Fresno got hot last year. They entered the season with nine straight wins. They won that bowl game thumping over uh, Washington State in L.A. last year. So that's the third longest win streak in the country behind Georgia and Troy. However... Uh, when Hayner was out last year and Fife was in there, that's when this team was really struggling. I mean, they lost a game at UConn. They, they struggled late September, early uh, October. So that's what bothers me a little bit. As soon as Hayner got back in there, they started to win last year. Uh, and now he's not there. Uh, the, the defense will keep them there. Uh, and by the way, I, he's had f- uh, th- uh, three of his four defenses at Fresno have, have ranked in the top 20 nationally. So that's been a little bit of a silent uh, uh, killer there for him and they've been really good on the defensive side but um and and for tedford early in his tenures usually does very well it, it tailed off after a couple of years the last time at fresno and cal eventually tailed off too so it's still in his sweet spot it's just that schedule non-conference that has me a little concerned about getting over eight and a half they could well be back in the mountain west title game which by the way there's no east west or no mountain pacific this year in the in the mountain west it's That's just right. the top two teams uh, so they could still get back there but That's well after that non-conference slate, which could take a bite out of them in September. All right, Paul, the the next team again, San Diego State Aztecs. And the Snapdragon Stadium had a good chance to – the weather in the setting in uh, in the mountains does make it uh, pretty cool. I will give them that. Brady Hoke going to return there, 36-24, 7-6 last year. Oh, look, man, they're always solid. But, uh, I mean, uh, this is – 
kind of a, you know, not not one of his strongest teams. Quarterback Jalen Maiden uh, returns, uh, trying to seek a little bit more consistency. Paul, some thoughts on the Aztecs here. Went total is seven, shaded to the under at Bet Rivers at minus one thirty nine. Yeah, I, I kind of share your perspective on the Aztecs coming into 2023. You mentioned Jalen uh, Maiden, the guy from the Dallas area. He's got to become more consistent in the passing game. His interception rate last year was 4.43%. Uh, that ranked the Aztecs 123rd out of 131 FBS teams. Uh, so, you know, he's got to get better there. They, have, they only average 191 yards passing per game. So uh, if Maiden can uh, polish his passing skills, uh, certainly San Diego State can, again, be a factor in the Mountain West. Uh, they open the season at Snapdragon against Ohio, a really uh, key game. They're currently favored by about a field goal there. And also in the month of September alone, in addition to Ohio, they play UCLA, Oregon State, Boise State, and Air Force before uh, October 1st. So we're going to know a lot about this San Diego State team uh, by the end of September. Uh, going to be an interesting year. Defensively, you know, they play that uh, solid defense. Uh, they did have a key portal loss. They lost two-time all-conference safety, uh, Patrick McMorris to Cal. Uh, still going to have one of the league's best defenses, but I'm kind of like you. It's a, it's a uh, kind of just a wait-and-see uh, perspective uh, from my point of view on the Aztecs. Yeah, Bruce, and listen, when these mid-major teams lose those impact players to the portal, I mean, that's, that's a big deal. It's something that you really have to pay attention to from year to year with these clubs. Yeah, and 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 for the Aztecs, I mean, it is it, it boggles my mind that a place that was the birthplace of Air Coriel back in the '60s uh, and leading the nation avant-garde passing attacks. I mean, they set the the standard for a new generation of offensive football, and and they and they haven't really participated in the last 15 or so years in that. I mean, the, the quarterback play has just been very erratic. And again, last year ranked 118th in passing. I mean, Maiden was a, you know, defensive back, a, a special teams guy. He had been at Mississippi state before very unlikely guy to take over a quarterback. That's how desperate it had become there. And like Paul said, he was a little erratic, I mean, a little beyond that, a, about half a season, 10 picks. He did have 12 TD passes, but that ratio is not all that great. Um, and in scoring again, 107th nationally. I mean, they've been way down a lot of triple digit ranks in scoring the last five uh, years too. Uh, so they've been late, late, you know, lean on their defense. They did lose some portal guys. I like, they did pick up one though from Oklahoma State, Samula Tuhalamaka. Uh, sounds like he should, be, he should be playing for Hawaii, but nose tackle there. They think he's going to be ready to step in really nice, but it's that schedule too. You mentioned Ohio U, tough opener. They also, non-league dates, UCLA and Oregon State. Um, so anything beyond, you know, seven wins and another lower tier bowl, I'm not sure I can I can go there, um, and uh, so I'm just going to sit and watch with the Aztecs. You know, uh, out in uh, San Diego, uh, at, uh, Marshall Falk was actually at Del Mar for a, a benefit and, you know, kind of a doing a, a, a signing and a, an appearance and things like that. And we always try to find, you know, project guys from high school going to college, players going from college going to pro, and it's an inexact science and a lot is made of it. I always like a guy who stands out for a struggling team. Uh, he was all Metro for George Washington Carver uh, in uh, his senior year. Their record, his senior year, 0 and 10. So, I mean, he had like double-digit interceptions, like seven or eight for pick sixes. But, uh, I mean, 
Uh, in San Diego State, the only team to offer him as a running back. There you go. Wyoming. All right. Well, I can read between the lines here on both of you. Both of you are looking at Wyoming. Uh, like them this year. Their win total is over. Shaded to the over uh, at minus 155. But this time last year, I went back and I kept my, our notes from last year. Their roster was raided through the transfer portal. It was razor thin. And, man, they went easily over their win total at five very early, a 7-3 start. Now, they lost their last couple to finish 7-5, and five, but it was no sweat with the over. And I think we all give credit to their head coach, Craig Bowl, entering his 10th year. I mean, what a job he did last year getting that team to a winning record. Um, start with you, Paul. I mean, Wyoming Cowboys, and, you know, Bruce mentioned that word, continuity, uh, at this level is pretty damn impressive. Yeah, it is. I mean, uh, Craig Bowl, he, he's one of those coaches, as we like to say, who does more with less. I mean, uh, you know, Wyoming doesn't ever really look uh, – they don't uh, jump off the page at you in the preseason as you're doing your evaluation of these teams, but you just know they're probably going to overachieve rather than underachieve. And last year they get hurt, as you said, uh, it's very significantly through the transfer portal. You know, this year they lose offensive guard, standout offensive guard to USC, which was a big loss but not nearly uh, the impact that they had last year. We're going to find out a lot about this team. The first three weeks, they host Texas Tech in uh, their season opener, uh, getting about 13 and a half in that game. Then in week three, they travel to Texas. So they're playing uh, two uh, Power Five teams from the Big 12 in the first three weeks of the season. And that opener for, for the Red Raiders, uh, I'm not saying they're going to lose the game, but with Oregon, you know, the number 15 team in the country, uh, waiting on deck, going to Laramie. I think it's a little bit of a, a dicey spot for the Red Raiders. And Wyoming, 7-2, and two, their last nine against the spread as an home underdog. So I like that dynamic as well. Could be closer than many people are thinking. Defense, obviously, has been the Cowboys' uh, calling card during Bowles' term. They've allowed 24 points or less in each of the past six seasons. Going to have another good one this year. They returned 10 starters on that side of the ball nine of their 10 top tacklers. Main challenge is going to be replacing three offensive line starters. Um, again, the conference, when you're, uh, again, looking at these regular season win totals, you have to look at the, the schedule. We've talked about the non-conference schedule. The second half, the lower division of the Mountain West Conference, obviously quite weak to be blunt about it. They're going to get a lot of victories there. They have home games against Appalachian State and Fresno in September. Uh, and, you know, if they get at least one of those, I think the Cowboys can go over. And if they get two of them, they'll certainly go over. But I like Wyoming over the posted total of six uh, at minus 155 there at Bed Rivers. Yeah, Bruce, uh, you know, Paul talking about how tough they are at home. They were 4-2 and two at home last year with a big win. I, I mean, I penciled in an Air Force win there. They did not. That was one of those Friday night games and barely lost 20-17 to 17 to Boise State. I guess it starts with the altitude, you know, traditionally. I remember Missouri went out there very early in the season uh, years back and, and got beat pretty good by them as well. You like the Wyoming Cowboys over as well. Yeah, I mean, I mean, seventy-two hundred feet. I mean, that's uh, that, that's uh, that's something there. So that is an adjustment to play up there. I think I've mentioned to you guys before. Uh, Craig Bull, I think, is my favorite coach. And if I had to play, go back to college and play for a guy, this might be the one I'd play for. And this is just from meeting these guys at uh, at uh, various media days over the past several years. I mean, he's a legitimate, genuine guy hunts and fishes he's perfect for there it's interesting his roots are at nebraska he's a nebraska guy and uh 
Bob Devaney had coached at Wyoming before he went to Nebraska, and Devaney and Bull says this. He said Devaney had told him, "You can make your system work at Wyoming. Um, uh, that's the one place you can go there, and they won't bother you too much, and you can just do your thing." And he's take that to heart. And he stayed. He had won at North Dakota State. Big. He's the guy who got that stuff going with North Dakota State, by the way, was uh, Bull. And uh, Chris Kleiman continued that. But Bull's the guy who started all that there. But, I mean, they do run. This is a, this offense looks like Nebraska's offense in the 70s. But you don't have Jerry Taggy hanging, handing the ball off to Jeff Kinney or Joe Orduna. It's his quarterbacks. And, and how Josh Allen could flourish in this offense and become a first-round NFL draft pick still amazes me because uh, this offense doesn't really do much to showcase you, but they're solid. They run the football between the tackles. Um, now, Titus Fenn is top rusher from last year, 1,000-yard rusher. They booted him off the team right at the end of uh, November last year, so he doesn't. He wants guys to toe the line, though. They like the transfer from Northern Illinois, Harrison Whaley. They think he's going to be able to step in there a little bit. Paul mentioned uh, Pregnon, the big guard who moved uh, to USC. It's NFL possible uh, draft pick. And Peasley, the quarterback, is back, uh, but uh, he's not Josh Allen. It's, it's defense, though, which should be pretty good, like Paul said. Uh, and returning a lot of experience there. Uh, um, 13 of the 16 who took 250 snaps last year are back in the fold. Uh, that schedule, yeah, Texas Tech. That's a banana peel for Texas Tech, like Paul mentioned right at the opener there. Uh, and then, of course, going to Texas. The challenge for them, though, there's a three-game stretch, and Paul mentioned starts right at the end of the month there. Fresno, Air Force, Boise. The last two are on the road. That's going to determine if these guys get a chance to be in the Mountain West title game. I'm not sure they get there, but I do think they get over six wins. And uh, if they just had a little bit more spark, spunk on offense, a little more spark, I think they could do much better than that. But we know Bulls' offenses, uh, there's kind of a ceiling to how good they can be. All right, uh, let's move on to UNLV. Rarely do you guys uh, differ of opinion, but uh, this is the case for the running Rebels. Barry Odom in his first year of last year, one of the biggest turnarounds in college football. Started out 4-1, and one, but then they fell out of their tree, losing six of their last seven. Quarterback uh, Brumfield, he can be dangerous, uh, but inconsistent. 13, retard, uh, 13 returning starters for uh, Barry Odom in his first year. Win total is at six. Paul, shaded to the under at minus 148. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Barry Odom, uh, the new head coach there at UNLV, most recently the defense coordinator uh, at Arkansas, and before that head coach at uh, Missouri from 2016 through uh, 2019. He brings in as his offensive coordinator, Brennan Marion, and uh, Marion was the uh, receivers coach at the University of Texas under Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, Marion wants to go no huddle, wants to take some shots down the field. They do have two experienced quarterbacks, uh, most notably uh, Doug Brumfield. So they've got some uh, experience returning there. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what they'll do offensively. They did lose their 1,000-yard rusher, Aiden Robbins, who transferred to uh, BYU in the offseason. So that's a big loss for them. They don't have a whole lot of offensive weapons to begin with. Uh, and Robbins headed to uh, BYU is certainly a loss. You know, it's the same record for me, uh, same broken record. I have concerns about the Rebels' defense. Uh, they've only allowed, uh, or, or last year rather, they only allowed 29.2 points per game. Uh, that was the first time since 2007 that they had allowed less than 30 points on a season uh, to FBS opponents. So defense, they did lose some people. Don't think they're going to be as good uh, defensively. And I always like to, you know, every season's unique in college football, certainly in today's. 
ever-changing world, <coughs> excuse me, of college football. But in the last 18 full seasons, UNLV has only won more than five games one time. So in the last 18 full seasons, only won more than five games once. Uh, that was back in 2013 when it went seven and six and lost to uh, North Texas in the bowl game. Non-conference schedule uh, includes a home game against Vandy and uh, road trips to uh, Michigan and UTEP. Uh, so they could, you know, get shut out there uh, very well might. So I like UNLV uh, to see them going 500. I just think history says otherwise. Uh, I'll go uh, UNLV under six at minus 148 there at Bet Rivers. All right, Bruce, uh, you you uh, you see the uh, Rebels going over. Yeah, uh, Paul might be right. Uh, I hate to disagree with Paul, So, and but I see this a little differently there for a few reasons. Uh, don't disagree with uh, most of what Paul said, but uh, there's some other angles here that I like, the coaching thing. And, yeah, listen, I know I've been there, watched it up close for a long time. They haven't had a coach with a winning record there since – my good friend Harvey Hyde, uh, who's still kicking, and uh, he does a radio show out in the West, and I usually come on a couple times a year, uh, J.C. Uh, Roots, but that was back in the 80s. And I think their problem has been a succession of bad coaching hires. And they've done a lot of things. They've looked, uh, they've done career assistants, big sky coaches, even from the high school ranks with uh, Tony Sanchez a few years ago, and they've just gotten it wrong. And there's really no reason, you know, the reason Boise has flourished and ULV, UNLV hasn't is because of the coaching there. I mean, the facilities at UNLV now, they've got a great football facility. They play in an NFL stadium. They're in a much more vibrant locale. They should be better than they've been. I think Barry Odom is the best hire that they have made since uh, this is a better hire than John Robinson, too, because when Robinson came in uh, after a couple of years, he, he, he lost interest there. No, Odom is a legitimate coach. They are they have upgraded so much here. He didn't do badly at Mizzou when he was a head coach. SEC roots there, and he'd been, of course, at Arkansas with Sam Pittman the last couple of years, defensive coordinator, chops at Memphis before that. Uh, but I think he is a big upgrade. Also, last year uh, when Arroyo, who, by the way, alienated a lot of people in Vegas, but uh, and then they moved him out after last year. And the problem with them also is depth and usually if injuries start piling up that's been a problem they started off like a ball of fire last year they were four and one Brumfield was electric um he really was and keeping him healthy is going to be he started to get hurt there toward the end of September in and out of the lamp the rest of the year but he was not 100 percent physically um and I think he can he can run this go-go offense which by the way Bobby Petrino was the first guy that Odom hired and then, um, then Jimbo came and pulled uh, Petrino down to College Station. So that's when he brought Marion uh, in as offensive coordinator. Uh, but this go-go offense might fit. The defense wasn't as bad last year as, as UNLV defenses in, in the past. Um, and their nose tackle, they like a lot of Naki Fahina injury play. He's one of those guys who got hurt last year, but he's not bad. There's some sen good senior leadership there. SEC transfers on the defense, uh, Jackson Woodard from Arkansas and uh, Xavier Carter from LSU. Uh, these are two guys who will help out the linebacker spots. Uh, the, the schedule, there is, yeah, it is challenging, but I will note one thing. They beat Vanderbilt when Derek Mason was still there a few years ago. So Vandy comes in uh, in September to Vegas. They do go to Michigan. However, keep a note here. Uh, their last nine games visiting Power 5 foes, and this covers a lot of the, the Sanchez era and even some with Arroyo, 9-0 uh, and 0 
against the spread. So they cover those games when they're a underdog, usually a big number, out against Power 5 foes. And um, last year was at Notre Dame. I mean, they've, been, they've been at Michigan before, Ohio State, USC, UCLA, Notre Dame this year, Michigan. So maybe take UNLV. Look at them. You're going to get a lot of points in that game, and history says they'll be good. I like them, though, this time. I like Odom, I, and, but they got to keep Brumfield healthy. If they do, I think they're going over, and they get to a bowl game for the first time in 10 years. All right, let's talk about San Jose State. Uh, neither of you have a strong opinion, but, Paul, talk about uh, the Spartans. Five and a half is the win total shaded to the over at minus 134. You talk uh, – you, you lose – you steal one of your terms, Paul. A guy that does more with less, Brent Brennan has done that. He took over a tough situation, man. We know about the COVID uh, conference championship, but, man, you know what I was impressed about that? The trenches, man. You know, they, all of a sudden they had some guys that uh, were pretty – pretty impressive up front uh, defensively. He's looking for his third bowl game in four years, which is tough to do in San Jose. Uh, in, in the schedule also, USC, Oregon State, and by far the best team in the MAC on the road at Toledo. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the schedule. That That's one thing that keeps me from, uh, you know, thinking that San Jose's got a, a good shot of, of, of breaking even this year, a very difficult schedule. First of all, looking at last year, I mean, they won seven games. They went seven and five. Uh, but the Spartans, they haven't posted back-to-back -back winning seasons uh, since the early 1990s, since they were uh, in the Big West Conference. So it's been a while. They do return a whole lot of experience on offense. Uh, but uh, last year, uh, as I believe you mentioned, they won games last year primarily due to that defense. Uh, and certainly, uh, I think they had the league's best front seven. So they lose a lot of production there. They lose a pair of very talented defensive ends. Uh, one of those being uh, Viliami Fihoko and uh, Kate Hall. Those guys last year uh, combined for a lot of production, got in the backfield a lot uh, on their career. They combined for 375 tackles, 89 and a half tackles for loss, and 48 and a half sacks. So that just tells you the type of uh, consistent production uh, that they gave, and that won't be easily replaced. Um, you know, they also lose a linebacker, Cal Harmon. He was a first team. Uh, all Mountain West Conference selection in each of his last three seasons. He finished his career with 443 career tackles. So they just lose too much on defense. I'm sure they'll still be uh, solid on that side of the ball, but I don't see them being uh, quite as good. So I'll be uh, be watching them as, as always, but that's a stay away from me there. Bruce, you're a stay away from San Jose State, but you do have opinion on Colorado State, the Rams, and caught some people's attention when Norvell went from Nevada to Colorado State. And first year, uh, three and nine. He does have a lot of returning stars at 15, but uh, you're looking at the under four and a half and at a favorable price coming back, a bit nice plus price at Bet Rivers. Yeah, and uh, under, uh, not only that four and a half, but under was the way to look in the totals with these guys last year, 11 and one uh, to the under. So, wow. I mean, this uh, this was really, they were the best uh, under team in the uh, wow. in the country last year. But that offense was so bad. They never scored more than 20 points last year. Uh, 128th in scoring at a 13.2 per game. So the offense just didn't work. Uh, and by the, I, so I'm going to give uh, a, a mulligan to, to Jay Norvell there, but I think it's going to take more than uh, this year. I think maybe the third year they're going to start turning it around. 
Uh, they started to turn, he's turned things around his second year at Reno when he was there. So a lot of people are thinking, well, maybe he can do the same thing here. But he really inherited a mess from Steve Adazio, who was one of the worst hires, I think, in recent times. Uh, and he really hurt uh, Colorado State. They've simply got to do more with this offense there. They could not do anything other uh, than short flares, digs, screens. And um, Millen at quarterback, uh, his, his numbers looked his completion percentage was the best in the country, but that's sort of a hollow stat when all you're doing is throwing dump offs all the time. They just he just didn't have uh, time to throw. He was under pressure. Not uh, 59 sacks last year. My goodness, uh, he took more punishment in the pocket than George Shavala took against Joe Frazier back in 67. He really got beaten up in the pocket. And they couldn't run the ball at all last year either. Now they're hoping one of those North Dakota State guys, Kobe Johnson, ran very well for the Bison, almost 3,000 career yards rushing. He has transferred to Fort Collins, where, by the way, they have a very nice stadium and very nice facilities. That's why uh, Norvell moved from Reno there. Um, the defense was good last year. I, I don't know how much of that was because the offense was so slow-paced and there wasn't a lot of urgency on the other side of the line of scrimmage. Uh, but only Boise among Mountain West foes scored more than 28 against these guys uh, last year. Half of the eight league foes scored 17 or fewer. So that's good stuff no matter how slow-paced your offense is the other way, slowing the pace of the games. Um, it, 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 this offensive line, though, has to improve, uh, and he has gone to the portal for that and the junior college ranks, so he's doing anything he can to get this turned around. But like Paul mentioned a minute ago about UNLV having some troubles, uh, the Rams are 14-36 and 36 straight up since 2018, so it's gone off the rails there. And at home, 12-21 and 21 in that beautiful new stadium since 2017. And the schedule tough early. Washington State and, and Middle Tennessee both – whipped Colorado State last year, plus Dion and Colorado. I mean, that's who they come out of the gate against. So I think they're looking at 0-3. They used to win those sorts of games when Sonny Lubick was there a long time ago, but I'm not sure they're ready to do so yet. So uh, I'm going under here. I think it's going to take a, more than a year for uh, uh, more than two years for, for Jay Norvell to get this thing back on track. I am just not that bullish on the Rams. All right. Uh, so Bruce with the Rams, Colorado State under four and a half at a nice plus price. Moving on to Utah State. Paul, this is interesting because, uh, you know, head coach Blake Anderson came over from Arkansas State a couple of years ago. And what he inherited and what he brought over from Arkansas State was the perfect blend that led to their uh, their conference title. Last year, back to 6-7, and seven, and now this win total at 4.5 this year tells me that, man, it's just kind of that, that, you know, that first year was not sort of reality or sustainable uh, in Logan, Utah. Yeah, I mean, they seem to be on a, a downward trend, and they were certainly – significant net losers in the portal. I mean, we talk about that uh, with basically every team, especially these group of five conferences. Uh, they only return a grand total of nine starters, so got a lot of losses. One of those starters, dual-threat quarterback uh, Cooper Lagarde, he had a, you know, a, a poor, a fair to poor 12 to 11 touchdown to interception ratio last year. Uh, kind of a bulldog of a guy, a tough runner. Uh, but he, like uh, many of these quarterbacks, needs to polish those passing skills. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see if they can get the trajectory, the current trajectory of the program turned around uh, there at Utah State this season. But this is, uh, like some of the others, a team that I'll just watch with great interest, but no, uh, no interest in getting involved at that regular season win total of four and a half. Bruce, anything on Utah State? You don't have an opinion on that either. 
No, I, I, I don't. And Paul's probably right. Um, you know, the, 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 the second year for Blake Anderson was much tougher. They had a lot of injuries last year, too. They only had three defenders who stayed healthy for the entire uh, season. And when, when Legos came in at quarterback, uh, that, that, you know, that started to stabilize a little bit for them. They had a very slow start last year. And, and, and I think, though, some of that was helped because there were so many stragglers in the Mountain West, Colorado State, New Mexico, Hawaii. They took advantage of that. They've got to plug in a lot of new starters this year, too. But Anderson proved he was kind of resourceful last year. And he, so I'm not going to dismiss these guys from maybe getting over, but I, I don't I don't love it by any means. And, you know, they did two years ago. They won a lot of close games, 4-0 in games decided by seven points or fewer. That didn't work quite as well uh, last season. Uh, but Anderson is a resourceful coach, so I'm not going to dismiss them. Uh, and I think Legos at quarterback will uh, – do a little bit better. They did get to a bowl game last year, which nobody thought was going to happen after the end of September. So I'm just going to sit and watch like Paul with the Utah State. All right. And a couple of teams before we get to a double barrel pick, uh, both of you guys uh, like the last one that we'll talk about. But first, Paul, you'll take Nevada. Nevada and Hawaii were both put in some very tough situations uh, last year. Nevada's win total last year was four and a half. Um, Norvell left Nevada and took a lot of players with him. So they were really thin last year, but didn't come close to the four and a half, only winning two games in Hawaii. Well, my goodness, that was a brutally tough situation. And Timmy Chang, although the record was not great, I mean, they were more competitive in games. But first, uh, Paul, you talk about the Wolfpack of Nevada. Yeah, I mean, you know, 2021, it seemed like a long time ago there in Reno, but they averaged 34.6 points per game with uh, Carson Strong under center in his final season. Uh, their scoring reduces by more than 50% last year. Uh, only averaged 16.8 points per game in Ken Wilson's first season. Uh, they won their first, this is kind of interesting to me anyway, they won their first two games last year, defeated New Mexico State and Texas State. Then they go on to lose uh, their top last 10 games, rather, uh, in a row and go 2-10. and 10. But against New Mexico State, they were plus five in turnovers. Against Texas State, they were plus four in turnovers. So the two victories that they had last year had a substantial turnover advantage. Um, you know, I don't uh, see any reason to expect. I think they'll be better, but there's such a long way to go. So uh, no opinion on the win total, but uh, they need to obviously score more. All right, uh, Bruce, uh, Hawaii and Timmy Chang, and we didn't know what to think of this, uh, but they were just trying to bring one of their own to kind of just stabilize this, somebody who had you know cared about the program a little bit after it was left in a complete mess. It was, you know, and we, we talk about uh, the Bay Area with uh, the COVID stuff. It was probably worse in Hawaii, what they had to go through there. And they have also had to move out of Aloha Stadium. Um, and they have built a, a glorified, not even glorified, I mean, Paul sees a lot of high school stadiums in Texas that are nicer than what Hawaii is playing in right now, that small Chang complex on campus. Um, and uh, the, there is a new Aloha Stadium, which is reportedly going to be ready just before the presidential election in 2028. So they're going five more years playing in this high school stadium. I don't like it. Now, Chang, though, I will say this. What happened last year, and they started to be a little bit more competitive, he was adjusting back. They, they were still running the Todd Graham offense early in the year. By the end of the season, though, about midway last year, uh, he put in the old June Jones red gun, 
And so they were running, you know, four wide, run and shoot, and Shager, the quarterback, uh, started to put up some better numbers. So that sort of coincided with them improving down the stretch last year, and they, they covered some numbers. Uh, they're going to have to be tougher on defense there. They have picked up a couple of uh, Power 5 transfers who are, who are from the islands there, uh, Pihopi from uh, from Washington and Wyndon Hoahuli from Nebraska. Uh, so they should they should bolster the line. And I think uh, I think the defense, though, is going to have to generate a few more turnovers this year. They only forced 12 a year ago. A lot of Power 5 foes, though, in the uh, non-conference. Vanderbilt, which put 63 on these guys last year. That's the first game in Week 0. Stanford and Oregon uh, suggest another slow start for Hawaii. Uh, and the more winnable Mountain West games are on the road. So it's going to be tough for Hawaii. But the Red Gun started the old Jude Jones offense uh, and Chang was a great quarterback for Jones. Started to click a little bit last year. So maybe, she, and Shaker's not a bad quarterback. So they got a fighting chance, but I certainly don't love it. All right, uh, let's get to the Del Barrel pick. New Mexico, uh, the lowest win total uh, in the Mountain West Conference. Three and a half at Bet Rivers, shaded to the under at minus 139. Two and 10 last year and winless in conference play. Uh, and, you know, the uh, unit that kind of kept them competitive in some games, uh, they lose their uh, their defensive coordinator, Rocky Long, who goes to Syracuse. But uh, UAB transfer Dylan Hopkins comes in. Uh, they could only improve on offense where they really struggled. Uh, you think they're going to have their struggles again this year, Paul? New Mexico under three and a half. Yeah, I mean, you talk about that offense. They have been uh, anemic. Uh, to put it bluntly, the last two years on offense, they averaged just 13.1 points per game last year, only 12.2 points per game in 2021. In fact, uh, the Lobos, they've scored 14 points or fewer in 18 of their last 21 games against FBS opponents. Uh, last year, the last two years, as a matter of fact, they finished last in offensive yards per play. So last year, they only averaged 3.5 yards per play, ranked 131st out of 131 teams. In 2021, they only averaged 3.6 yards per play, ranked 130th out of 130 teams. Uh, with Dylan Hopkins coming in from UAB, he actually followed his offensive coordinator, Dylan Hopkins, who's now the uh, offensive coordinator, not Dylan Hopkins, Brian Vincent who's the offense coordinator there now in uh, Albuquerque. But Hopkins, he started 25 games over four years there at UAB, uh, so brings a lot of experience. Certainly he's going to give that, uh, you know, offense a little bit of a uh, positive boost, but there's just so far to go, and, and they're not going to be that much better. You look at New Mexico, they've won three games or fewer in each of the past uh, six seasons, 15 and 52 over that stretch. Don't see them winning four in 2023. Give me New Mexico to go under the total of three and a half at minus 139. Bruce, you don't see a whole lot of improvement also. No, there's another program that had uh, a COVID problem. I mean, COVID, they had to leave the state. I mean, they had to move literally to Las Vegas in an empty hotel and play at Sam Boyd Stadium after the Rebels had left Sam Boyd Stadium in 2020. And that put Danny Gonzalez's regime, regime on, on the wrong foot starting out. Um, uh, 
although then they actually are actually a little bit better in 2020 than the offense has been the last couple of years. Paul mentioned some of their struggles. How about this, too? Beyond midseason last year, didn't score more than 10 points in any game. So anemic, like Paul said, that is a, that, that we could, uh, that's pretty tame to describe what happened with this uh, offense last year. And we'll see about Hopkins coming in with Bryant Vincent, his old uh, coach at UAB. Um, he has 31 TD passes in his career. That's not spectacular, but not bad. By comparison, Lobo quarterbacks only three TD passes the entirety of last season. So obviously he's going to be an upgrade, but he's going to have, he'd almost have to be Patrick Mahomes, I think, to turn this thing around. You mentioned Rocky Long, and, and this is, this disturbs me more than anything because Gonzalez was one of his guys. Uh, and uh, Rocky is a New Mexico guy. He played there. He coached there. He went to San Diego State, of course, as we know. Then he came back to sort of coach into retirement. I thought that was the deal going to be in Albuquerque for him. Uh, but he leaves and goes to Syracuse. He's 73 years old, by the way, but still a sage defensive guy. And he was, the however competitive they were, in, in, in games the last couple of years, it was because of Rocky and that defense. Now he's right. gone, and uh, Troy Reffitt uh, promoted from within the staff, but it's not Rocky there anymore. They'll try to run the same three-three-five stack and the stuff that Rocky likes to do, but he's not there anymore. He's a great defensive play caller, and that bothers me more than bringing in um, uh, the guys from UAB on the offensive side. Uh, they do... Opener at Jimbo in Texas A&M, that could be kind of ugly. There are it, The schedule's not too difficult right after that non-league, but you can't take anything for granted with these guys, um, and, uh, and no wins for granted. Um, and unless the UAB connections really upgrade that offense, I, I, I think New Mexico is going to probably land right about where it did last year, 2-10. and 10. That's where I think they'll go again. Double barrel pick uh, on under for New Mexico. That's going to do it for the Mountain West Conference. Nobody breaks down these mid-majors like our buddies Paul Stone at Paul Stone Sports and Bruce Marshall, CBS Sports Line and VegasInsider.com. I'm Jimmy Ott here on the Sports Betters Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network.